It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Welcome in to our first edition of Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Wherever you are, glad for tuning in. And it is a beautiful day here in sunny California. I can't really say sunny because it's about 48 degrees outside. Joining me today is Mario Batanzi out of Denver, Colorado. Sports Where it is not so sunny and nice, Mr. Ferguson. It's <laughs> so, so not so sunny and nice. And also from Houston, we have many Rodriguez on the phone with us. We'll be talking a little NFL and going around seeing what's going on the BCS and talking the Heisman Trophy race. But, gentlemen, let me jump into it right now. Um, since we're talking Heisman Trophy, uh, at 2 o'clock Eastern time, uh, there's an announcement that's going to come down. It's going to affect what happens in the BCS and college football. And if, so, if you've been living under a rock, yeah, we're talking about the Jameis Winston situation where it was an alleged uh, assault maybe about a year ago the victim now has come out saying as though you know James Winston was the individual who you know partook in this situation with her uh let's go into it right now Mario what are your thoughts on this situation if it comes down that he is going to be charged in this case uh and how that's going to affect the Heisman race moving forward well here's the way that I look strictly from a Heisman standpoint Uh, If we look at the race right now, the top three guys are Winston, uh, Jordan Lynch, and then I believe the running back out of Boston College. Andre Williams. That'll be Andre Andre, Williams. Yes, sir. And the reason that Marcus Mariota, who actually has put up better overall stats than Jemias Winston, is not in the running is because he did not show up for the big games. They lost to Arizona. He threw two interceptions. Almost lost to Oregon State. Threw two interceptions. So the reason they took him out is because he wasn't able to win the big games that Jemias Winston was able to win. So from a Heisman standpoint, if this all comes out and we're talking about people not showing up for big games and that's factoring into the decision, why are we not also going to discuss what's happening off the field? I mean, the Heisman Trophy should signify and symbolize a college athlete who is excellent in every single facet of the game on-field and off-field. Now, obviously, you hope that a kid 18, 19 years old, that he is innocent, and this is just one of those crazy situations where turns out he was famous and people just want to kind of try and get a slice. But if it turns out that he is guilty, this absolutely has to factor into his Heisman because if he goes on to win the Heisman, how is this not more tainted than when Reggie Bush was accepting benefits and had to give up his Heisman? This is way worse. So if he is guilty, I think that you need to drop, take him out of the race altogether, let him compete next year. Hopefully all of this stuff goes away and is resolved. Well, with that being said, and right now we don't know because that decision is going to come down at 2 o'clock, what can happen is if he is found guilty, or we're not found guilty, if they go ahead and say, okay, well, listen, we're going to press charges against him. Now, by the mandate in college football and it's by Florida State, they have to suspend him. So if they take him out of that equation, now you're playing with a backup quarterback and the whole BCS championship race now is flipped on his head. Now, there's a possibility we can have both Auburn and Alabama back 
once again in the BCS Championship because that it is a philosophy. And you cannot not, get rid not of by me, Not by me, but so there's some that think that a one-loss SEC team deserves to be in uh, uh, or better than any other team around college football. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about James for a second. You know, in this country, you're innocent to proven guilty, and I think everybody's forgotten that at the end of the day, even if at 2 o'clock there is a dismissal or they're not going to press charges, you know, he's tainted, right? So there are a lot of people who've already cast their vote, right? So you've got uh, a window of time to cast a vote. Many people have cast their vote already. If they cast their vote, say, a week ago, two weeks ago, I assure you he's probably not in the top of that ballot. Uh, and it's unfortunate, right, because right now you got to think about when you talked about celebrity. He wasn't a celebrity when this thing happened. I think the timing of all this is incredibly suspect. Why is this coming to fruition now? Um, it, it's just a very unfortunate situation for the, this young man. Regardless of the outcome at 2 o'clock, he's still a tainted individual. I think it will affect uh, the Heisman votes. But don't you think, see, that's the problem I have because a lot of things take place with athletes and in the media and in popular opinion before we even get to trial, that person is rendered guilty. And, and I think it, there has to be a due process of law, innocent until proven guilty. Not, you, now you're guilty and you have to prove you're innocent. But time and time again, we see this play out, and, and whether it's the NFL or college football. But let me tell you guys a couple of things that are set ahead of, of Jameis Winston. Okay, Saturday is the, the ACC championship game against Duke. On Monday, the Heisman Trophy voting, that's the deadline for that. And then December 14th is the Heisman presentation. So the fallout at 2 o'clock could affect a lot of things. And we don't just want to look at it from a football standpoint with Jameis Winston. We're talking about a 19-year-old kid, and this could affect him long-term and how people actually view him. And if there's any desire for him to play on that next level and play on Sunday, talk about the ramifications that could possibly have on, on Jameis Winston. You know, personally, I, I think whatever comes out of this, uh, you know, the NFL specifically has a has a, a history of, of forgiving transgressions due to talent, right? And right. I mean, I think there's no argument right now. If he is not the Heisman Trophy winner for whatever reason, the next best guy um, won by default, right? There's really no one who is the best player in in, in college football right now other than him. Uh, next year, if nothing changes, he will be you know the next Andrew Luck, right? He'll be the number one draft pick, right? So uh, I, I don't think that will taint his ability to perform at the next level. And if you think about his performance so far with all this controversy above him, it's amazing how he's been able to put that beside him. He's been able to play at a high level regardless of the allegations, regardless of what everybody's saying. Um, you know, I, I really don't see him, regardless of the outcome, not being the best player in the NFL and not being the number one pick next year. Well, looking at the, the, the rest of the field, when you look at, well, who's the next man? Uh, I mean, Johnny Manziel, by far, I mean, he's been really impressive, most athletic guy in college football, but this award is more, uh, more than just that. It, it's about the fact of saying, okay, what you're doing, you know, on the field, the fact of look at your defense, does your defense help you out, does your special teams? And with Johnny Manziel, none of that has happened. So if for some reason it comes out at 2 o'clock, you know, charges are going to be filed against Jameis Winston. The next person, I would say up up next, you would have to look at Braxton Miller of Ohio State. Been very impressive all year. His team is undefeated. They haven't lost the game in, in two years, which I think is impressive. 
But if Jameis Winston is knocked out of the race, I think Bra- Braxton Miller is by far a leader as uh, far as vote-getter uh, to win that Heisman. You don't think he relies too much on his run game at Ohio State? I mean, his success is predicated mainly on how well they're able to run the ball with Hyde out there. Well, well Hyde has done a great job, but, but now we're talking about, we got to think about what we talk about when we talk about the Heisman Award. It's given to the best college player. Normally that best college player is, is the quarterback. But if you're going to win this award, you need everyone to help you do this, even though it's an individual award, but it's a team award because now you're talking about defense and you're talking about ability to run the ball just like you said and the, the guy who's under center his play at quarterback so Braxton Miller is a great guy at running the ball but also he does a great job passing the ball as well but don't you need to take into account obviously people nowadays are slave to stats they look at the stats how many touchdowns have you accounted for how many yards Braxton Miller has not accumulated more than 3,000 yards this season, and he's responsible for only 29 touchdowns. So while he is a very, very excellent player, and he has made strides as a player from last year to this year as far as uh, really having a more complete game as a passer, not just as a runner, um, and obviously Jordan Lynch is going to be overlooked because he's from a minor conference. If we are going to look at stats and how important a player was to his team, you have to look at Lynch, and you also have to look at Andre Williams, who absolutely carried Boston College this year. Boston College would have just been a write-off on everyone's schedule if it wasn't for him. Absolutely. Well, I think it's time we, uh, we start looking at some uh, other positions other than quarterback, right? Yeah, the quarterback position has dominated the Heisman for too long. We need a little bit of a break, don't we? Well, but you think about it. it that, 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 that coveted award, majority of the time, goes – to a quarterback. So to me, instead of saying the best college player, just say to the best quarterback, simply put. Let's just call it that. It's going to the best quarterback. And right now, the best quarterback is Jameis Winston, hands down. What he's done as a a freshman, uh, redshirt freshman at Florida State, I mean, it's phenomenal. And Manny, you were talking about it before. Look at his poise. I mean, the way that he handles things on the field and the way that he handles things off the field. Seldom do you get a young quarterback that's able to do both. And I think that's a leadership and a caliber that you, uh, a type of guy that you want leading, leading your team. So I, I hope at two o'clock it comes down as though, you know, he, he's not going to have charges filed against him. Because for me, I have an SEC. I don't know about you guys, but I have an SEC fatigue. And I, I'm just kind of over the whole SEC dominance. And this is allowed for uh, maybe the ACC or maybe another conference to now slide into the national spotlight. This wouldn't have anything to do with you being a Georgia Tech alum, would it, Nick? No, no, no. No, <laughs> no man, I need the ACC to be the best conference in football now. But think about it. Over, over the past at the past couple of years, it's been the SEC dominance, so say, and it's been labeled. Yeah, the thing. SEC has been God's gift to college football in many no, respects. No, not, no, I mean, no it's not. The, Come on, Mario, let's be totally real, realistic. It hasn't been God's gift. It now, the media, there's a media love affair with the SEC, but there's other conferences that are out there. So let's not devalue that level of competition. That's all I'm saying. We're not, we're not devaluing it. I'm just saying over the past couple of years, and obviously you can't ignore with how good these teams are in the SEC, 
but it's been a down year. Look at what Missouri and Auburn did last year compared to what they did this year. It's like even when the SEC goes down, two more different teams step up and they make it still a relevant conference. I'm sick of the SEC, and I'm sick of seeing SEC teams compete in the national championship every year, so I'm on your side and hoping this is a little bit of a changing of the guard. But, you know, rankings are as they are, and the the quality of teams are as they are in the SEC, and unfortunately, that's just how it is. It's very top-heavy, kind of like the yeah. Big East in basketball was a couple of years ago. All right, if you, if you guys just join, joining us, I have Manny Rodriguez and Mario Batanzi on the phone 30 seconds before we have to take a break. If you want to jump in the conversation, the number is 888-346-9144. So, uh, like I said, fellas, we're up against a, a break. And coming up after the break, we're going to finish the conversation and we're going to delve into a little of the NFL. But stay here, hang with us. We got some great things coming up at the end of the show. Also, don't forget to tweet me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. We'll be right back after a brief break. Keep it locked right here. Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, if you're just joining us, thank you. Wherever you are, I'm on with Manny Rodriguez and Mario Bertanzi. Before we went to break, we were talking about the SEC, Jameis Winston, and how the BCS is going to shake down, and the Heisman race. So, fellas, uh, let, let's jump back in it real quick. Now, we were talking about the BCS and Jameis Winston and the whole Heisman Trophy race. So, uh, what happens if they go ahead and give him that uh, they say, well, okay, well, uh, he's not guilty. He, he gets a chance to play against Duke and the ACC championship uh, this Saturday. Do you guys see any other team in college football being able to match Florida State 
man for man, play for play? Uh, I really don't. I mean, that team has just dominated everybody this year. And honestly, the only team, and again, we're going to get back to the SEC and back to Alabama, I feel like the only team that would be able to consistently stop Winston and that offense is probably Alabama with Nick Saban and that pro-style defense. But if Alabama doesn't make it to this game and Winston does end up playing, I really don't see any other team in the NCAA that will be able to match up person for person with Florida State. They have too many weapons of receiver. They have a solid running back and, of course, uh, likely the Heisman winner in Winston, whose composure is just out of control for being a freshman. And I, I mean, if if, this, if everything holds up for Winston, I think Florida State is the clear national champion winner. Now you yeah. talked about you talked about Nick Saban and that pro style defense. Now I know I talked about the love affair with the SEC, and a lot of people have that. But let's take a look at what the SEC really is. I mean, they were known for their dominance as far as defense is concerned. But you look at some of those teams, they've given up big numbers on defense. Alabama has as well. And earlier before, you were talking about uh, Mizzou. Here's a team that came out of the Big Ten. And this is their second year in the, AC, in the SEC. Excuse me. And look at what they're doing right now. I mean, now they're playing an SEC championship game. It's just like, well, what does that say about the SEC as a whole? And now are they falling off or just the fact that we're seeing the shift in power? I, I think it's a little bit of a combination. I mean, uh, NCAA football, it's, it's just it's like a living organism, man. You know, things will change every year and every year. <laughs> I mean, taken away from the last couple of years where it's just been Alabama all day. But things are constantly changing. New players are constantly coming out, uh, picking new schools. And, you know, top recruits, some of them are going to want to go to Alabama because of the legacy. Other kids are going to want to go to Oregon because of the jerseys and because they're a fun school to watch. And, I mean, you never know. There's usually more parity in college football than this. And that's why we're seeing now a new team and very rarely a three-peat, like a lot of people thought Alabama was going to do. But you look at past history, uh, really parity is the name of the game in college football. So hopefully we're seeing a changing of the guard. Maybe Alabama starts to fall off as well as the rest of the SEC conference. All I can say is thank God for next year in a playoff system because everything we say is... Amen, Manny. <laughs> if, possibly, what do you think? I mean, you know, everything is, is, is speculation and, uh, you know, next year is going to be, you know, a beautiful way to see these guys really... And I'm not even sure it's perfect, right? But at least it's the start of something where you can say these guys deserve to be there, let them play it out, let them kick the crap out of each other and figure it out versus right now... It's 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 up to whim of the individual voters and uh, you know and the, and the systems and metrics and you know power rankings and all that stuff. You know you look at Ohio State and you say who've they beaten? Right? They haven't beaten anybody. You know Florida State who've they beaten? Nobody. But when they beat them, they beat them by like sixty points, right? So um, that's why it's going to be great to finally have a playoff system because this this whole system is just it's been broken forever. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it as a college football fan to finally get the top two teams and not worrying about what team came in preseason no, number one and looking at uh, uh, the program a, a, as a whole. Because I, I remember several years back when Kellen Moore was at Boise State, I mean, they, they performed well for, for like over two years and they were undefeated, but they didn't get into that marquee game because they looked at their schedule and said, well, your schedule and the points that you played in, a, a, in comparison to 
maybe SEC. It just didn't match up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this new season. But I want to switch over to the NFL real quick. Manny, you're in Houston right now. Uh, big Houston Texans fans right now. is a huge game coming up tonight between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. And the loser of this game now inches themselves closer to that number one draft pick. Now, in your opinion, which team has a better chance of securing that number one draft choice, meaning which team can lose tonight? Well, in my opinion, I think more people are going to watch the sound of music tonight than actually the game. <laughs> I know I am. Well, well this, ga- this game has, has big implications as far as who can possibly secure that number one draft choice, which is, which is huge for a team or both teams who struggle. I mean, you know, if you look at the games, right, I mean, I think the Houston Texans are much better than a 2-10 and team. Um, I was at the game on Sunday. I was actually looking, at, looking there going, oh, my God, they may win this game. And then, of course, you know, Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does. You know, the Houston Texans could actually, uh, you know, if the ball bounces the right way and, and, and they can make some plays, they could be sitting here at, you know, 9-3, and 8-4, and four. Uh, I think the Texans are a much better team than Jacksonville. Uh, you know, Jacksonville did come into Houston and beat them. I think it's unlikely that Jacksonville will beat the Texans twice. I know they got to go on a road to do it, but you know, in the NFL, it's hard to sweep a team. And I just, I just think the uh, Houston goes in there with the advantage of that, and I just think they're a better team. Uh, something's going on. I mean, you look at this team last year. You know, this team last year, everybody was talking about going to the Super Bowl. You started the season, everybody talked about this team's going to be the team to beat in the AFC. Um, I, I can't imagine what's wrong with this team. I, I, I don't think it's it's talent. I think it's it's some other fundamentals that aren't working. And it, it could be coaching. It could be a general manager. Um, but I think the team has a lot more talent than the record. Jacksonville, on the other hand, I think I think you know they just don't have the talent, right? Um, you know, I'll say this. I'll say this. When I look at the Houston Texans, you know they've always had the personnel. Sometimes when you start to lose, that demeanor starts to creep in, that loses mentality. And I think that's what happened for a couple of weeks. They started feeling sorry for themselves. And when, you, when Case Keenum came in, now everyone was inspired. The players, especially Andre Johnson, he started catching passes in the red zone, something that they were not able to accomplish with Matt Schaub at the helm. And the fan base really got behind him. So I, I think when you look at the season as a whole, even though it's been a disappointment, you still have to say, okay, well, what positives can we pull out of it? No, we lose uh, Brian Cushion for the second year in a row. It affects our si- our system and our defense. Yeah, but Case Keenum has been a pleasant surprise, and I'm looking forward to his maturation moving forward. But that's just a building block for the Houston Texans. But the question is, I mean, does, is Rick Smith still going to stay there? Or uh, is, John, is, is Gary Kubiak going to stay there? We still don't know what what Bob McNair is going to do, but that, that brings away some interesting questions for the Houston Texans. And this is a team, really, their record, not. I mean, it doesn't really do them justice. They're not nearly as bad as the record. As you look back, some of their losses, games they really shouldn't have lost. I mean, back in week four, lost to Seattle, arguably the best team in the NFL right now, 
by three in overtime. They lose at Kansas City, who at the time was one of the hottest teams in the NFL, by one point with a third-string quarterback. They lost to Indianapolis before Indy lost Reggie Wayne by three. Uh, they lose to Arizona in Arizona the following week by three. And then just last week, they lose to New England, one of the better teams in the AFC, by three in a game that they really should have won. So, you know, even though this team has lost 10 straight games, it really doesn't show how good of a team they are. And that's difficult to say. So, you know, like Manny said, it's really hard to sweep a team. It's hard to beat Jacksonville or or rather uh, lose to a team. It's hard to beat a team twice in one season. And I mean, looking from Jacksonville, yeah, absolutely. They're not a very good team, but at this point, Houston's big flaw is their quarterback. You know, they thought Matt Shaw was going to be the guy. Clearly he's not. Case Keenum has been like a nice surprise as an undrafted local kid who went to Houston and now is playing for Houston, but you know he's not the long-term answer. If they get the number one overall pick and you're looking at a Johnny Menzel or a Teddy Bridgewater to lead your team, that will absolutely take them to the next level. And you look at these games that they're losing by one or two or three or four points. You can't tell me that a stud rookie quarterback can't make a difference in those four to five points to win these games. So I honestly think that Houston, you never want to admit this, but I think they're going to tank this like tonight and the rest of the season. They're in Jacksonville, in Indianapolis, against Denver, and then in Tennessee. It is not an easy rest of your schedule those last three weeks. So why not just kind of go out there, let the guys get paid, do what they got to do, and Nick, I know, I know, as a former wait, wait, athlete, wait, wait, and wait, you wait, used wait, to play wait, for wait. the Texans, but <laughs> if you're looking at the number one overall pick right in the face, and this isn't the number one overall pick from last season where there was not a defined number one draft pick. There are top tier quarterbacks that can make or break your entire franchise. And teams, I know teams don't want to do it, and it never seems like the answer. And we only speculate from the outside looking in. But what benefit do the Texans have winning one of their last four games? So wait a minute. They would only be hurting themselves to this point. So are you saying, and this was the, this was the case a couple of years ago with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, would they tank and look the what last happened. couple of games to get Andrew Luck? Completely so, so, their franchise. Well, wait a minute. So, so as a former NFL player, I couldn't sit in a locker room and have either other players or the coaches with the mentality of saying, okay, listen. We want to go out and we want to win and end the season on a positive note. But if we want to end the season on a great note, why don't we go ahead and take this last game in order for us to get the number one draft choice, which is there's no guarantee that that person that you choose, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater or Johnny Manziel, would actually be that quarterback to get us over the hump. So for me, since I'm a competitor, I want to go out there and I want to win. So you have a guy in Case Keenum who I do believe there's some growing – he needs to do, but I think he might be the quarterback that they need. And all you have to do is ask number 80 and he'll tell you because he's getting him the ball. So you don't have to go out and get a Johnny Menzel or a Teddy Bridgewater. You can use that pick, move down and get a collection of picks to make your team better. So you think if the yeah. Texans end up with the number one overall pick, they don't go with a quarterback? No, there's no, oh, need. that's crazy. There's no need. Why, why go with the quarterback? You have a guy who's shown that. He has the moxie to win these ball games for you. So you he, think you the think that has the long term answer in Houston? No, nah, I mean you know, 
I got to I, I got to agree and disagree with Mario on a couple of things. One is that I don't think the Texans would ever lose intentionally. If that if that was the case, you know, you got two teams who both of them would want to lose, and I think the score would be zero to zero. Don't go all out. Yeah, you know, but you know, I I, I agree with you in the fact that I do not think Case is the guy. I mean, he's injected some new fire in the team. Uh, they like the guy. I mean, he's a good story. Uh, as you said, number 80. I mean, I, I haven't seen Andre this rejuvenated in years. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he, he's 10 years younger than he was last year. I mean, Andre's playing, you know, some incredible football right now with just with a lot of different heart than he had before. But Case is just really not the answer. I mean, if you think of the AFC and what's happening in the AFC, uh, Case is not the kind of guy who's going to go and win uh, a the AFC West, right? I mean, as a central, sorry. It, 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 he's just not capable. He just he doesn't have it in him right now. He's riding high. They'll figure him out. Um, I, I do believe that Texans get a number one pick. They will get a quarterback. If you're just joining us, I'm on with Mario Batanzi and Manny Rodriguez. If you want to get in on the conversation, hit us up at 888-346-9144. I, I still think that if you do end up losing tonight's game, and you end up with the overall pick. You don't necessarily have to go out and get a, a, a draft a quarterback in the first round. I, I believe you, you secure that pick, and then you say, okay, well, what other teams want to move up because they want a Johnny Manziel or they want a Teddy Bridgewater? And now I trade that pick, move down, get a collection of pick, and build up my roster. That's the whole idea, build up my roster. Maybe go get another running back because Arian Foster has had back issues. Ben Tate has ran well. This, this past season, but he's going to be the free agent. So you're going to have two big money running backs on your roster. Probably not. And then you move to the defensive side of the ball. Brian Cushion has been injured for the second straight year in a row. So now we know that that linebacker position hasn't been what they needed it to be. So you go and fill some voids, especially at, at that safety position. So there's no need to go out and spend that first pick on a quarterback. There's no need. Well, the, the only thing to consider there is who's the quarterbacks, right? So at the end of the day, Manziel, I do not believe he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. The guy's what six foot two, I think, with heels. I, I'm not it's even sure. That. Foot, you know, I, I'm not even sure he weighs 185 pounds, 190 pounds. If you look at what's happening right now to RG3, every time he gets hit, he looks like a rag doll, and that's and that's Manziel. I I just don't think Manziel can one see over the line and two sustain the hits that he's gonna he's gonna get hit. He'll get drafted. He'll get drafted high. I don't think he's the answer for an NFL team either, though, right? So the question becomes, you know, I, I think to your, Nick, your point, Nick, I think they need to get a quarterback. The question is, who's coming out that's going to be the solution for him? But that's, that's, that's the whole thing. So if, if, if there's a guy that's not on the, on the board that has a lot of value, a lot of upside, why go ahead and take that chance? I mean, you already have a situation at quarterback right now I mean, you have, they have so many holes that they need to plug. But to me, I, I still don't think that you wish that first pick on a, a quarterback. You move down, collect picks, and then you try to build your team. To me, that, that, that's, that's how you do it. That's, that's how you do it. Uh, quick question for you guys, too, as well. Now, Mario, you and I got a chance to talk. And, and tell, tell them that story about, the Denver Bronco game last year and the Baltimore more race. I, I, I <laughs> you're going to make me live this again? Yeah, we, we got a, a minute before our break. So, so. All right, I'll, I'll try and make it quick. So last year in Denver, uh, obviously I'm a huge Broncos fan, born and raised. That's actually how I know Nick. 
uh, you know, knew him during his time here in Denver and was at the Denver-Baltimore game last season. We go in thinking Denver's got this. They smash Baltimore at home. It's not even going to be a close game. Uh, and obviously, as the game wore on, it's uh, blow after blow, and they keep matching each other's scores. When it was third down and Flacco threw up that pass, everything was in slow motion. And we're in, we're in the rafters. We are five rows from the very top of the stadium. And we can see it. And we can see Jacoby Jones standing there. We're just thinking, no, no. And it goes over Raheem Moore's head, as everyone has seen time and time again. Jacoby Mario. Jones walks into the, into the Ma- end zone. Mario, I think Mario, hold, hold if that, hold that. played, he would have knocked that ball down. Well, Mario, ho- hold that thumb. Let you finish it. Finish that uh, that thought after we come back from the break. You here with Nick Ferguson, Manny Rodriguez, secondary perspective. Jump on the horn eight 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 three four six nine one four four. If you want to get into the conversation, we'll be back after the break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. I'm on with Mario Vitanzi of Sports Pyramid.com and Manny Rodriguez. Before we went to the break, uh, I was asking Mario to tell that little playoff story last year uh, in Denver and the Denver Baltimore game. Mario, jump back into that story and let the fans know what took place in the stands. 
All right, so if you're just joining us, like I was saying, Denver-Baltimore game, freezing cold, you know, maybe 10 degrees. The wind chill is outrageous. My friends and I are five rows from the very top of the stadium. And, I mean, it's brutal because when you get up that high, you get a little bit of vertigo. You know, the stairs are going straight up. It's almost like a ladder. So we had to brave the elements to get up there. You're watching the whole game. It's a back-and-forth game, as everybody remembers, you know, uh, and no point was either team going to run away with it. And so you're just, as a fan, you're watching it and you're cringing the entire game. And that third down play comes up when Flacco, you know, Denver brings a three-man rush. Flacco steps up, just hucks, a, hucks up a prayer. And it was answered by the football god and by Raheem Moore. And I talked about this with uh, Nick the other night. And... It was such an irrational thought. Like my brain isn't fully functioning because of how cold it is, <laughs> and because uh, Jacoby is standing in the end zone, and you're looking on the field, and you just got your hands up. Like no, 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 no. This this isn't how it happens. Like there's a penalty, or he stepped out of bounds. Like no, that that did not just happen. And we're looking around, and the points are on the board, and they kick the extra point, and it like sinks in. Like this actually just happened, and I don't know. Why I was thinking this, uh, I think it was because I had talked to Nick recently on Twitter uh, before the game, and I, I say to my friends, man, if Nick Ferguson was still playing, he would have made that play, and the Broncos would have won the game. <laughs> and one of my friends looked at me, you know, one of them a big Broncos fan and knows a lot about the game. The other one, Bronco fan, but not super intelligent about everything. Friend number one looks at me, and he's like, why... Would you even think of Nick Ferguson? I was like, hey, man, I'm just saying, like, if he was, he would have made the play. And then my other friend looks at me and he goes, who the hell is Nick Ferguson? (laughs) And so that that made me even more upset because, you know, Nick is one of my all-time favorite players and people, and he already knows this. And so I'm already upset about the way that the game is going and then just to rub salt in the open wound and ask who nick ferguson is oh, how that's... dare you how dare you who's that friend so i can go and just give him a back here no that that, <laughs> that that is hilarious now remember watching that game throwing my hat at the television screaming and then also going in on raheem Moore on twitter like dude you a safety you're supposed to know game time situations you know, 33 seconds, they have no timeouts. They need a chicken wing in the prayer to move the ball down the field in a position to take the lead or even tie the game. How can you give that up? And his only answer was, hey, I, I, I was trying to make a play. You have to know the difference when to try to make a play and not to try to make a play. And speaking of that, there was a situation last week, and it's kind of ongoing. I guess it's come to a conclusion for the most part. About Mike Tomlin, and if and if you don't know, Mike Tomlin got a little too far on the field, and and as they say, he obstructed uh, Jacoby Jones' possible touchdown on a special teams play. I saw the play, and I played with Jacoby Jones. So when I look at it, was Tomlin too far on the white? Yes, he was. Was it enough to obstruct Jacoby Jones from a touchdown? You know, I don't think so. The, the, the quickest point between, uh, you know, I guess two points is a straight line. And Jacoby Jones, if you go back and watch that play, he veered a little inside when he really didn't have to. And I think to the special teams credit of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the guy was gaining on 
Jacoby Jones. So, so I don't think he should have been uh, you know, fined. It's a $100,000 fine. And now they're also talking about the fact of taking a draft choice away. Is, is this a little too excessive? And is the NFL getting a little out of control with their fines? I, I think it's more of an issue that he meant to do it. You know, if it was genuine, like if he was a rookie coach and had never, ever, ever coached football before and he didn't know that he wasn't allowed to be that close to the field – Maybe you give him a pass, but because it's Mike Tomlin, because he's a decorated coach, because he's on the committee for the for rules in the NFL, he needs to be held to a higher standard already than any other coach. And the big question is whether or not he did that on purpose. And I think, yes, he absolutely did. Someone of Mike Tomlin's stature of his personal figure, he did that on purpose. He knows how to how to coach the game. He knows how to coach football. He knows where he is supposed to be and where he's not supposed to be. And his back was turned on it almost deliberately. And you could see him looking up at the jumbotron, watching the play unfold. And that's how he's able to get out of the way at the last second. That's something that no one is talking about. He has his back turned. How do you not, I mean, how do you see him coming unless you're looking at the screen? He knew the entire time he was on the field. He was just waiting until Jones got close enough threw him back into the middle of the field, and I'm sorry, Nick, I have to disagree with you. I think Jacoby takes it to the house no. if Tomlin doesn't get in his way. Come on, if, let's be realistic. The Steelers win that game. This is a huge, huge deal. Because they you win know, a game. The Ravens the- would not shut up about it. Oh, Luckily, come on. But what happened a couple of years ago uh, to that New York Jets coach? Yeah, that one was more blatant. It was more deliberate. It was more heinous. But the same effect happened. He had an effect on the way that the play unfolded, especially a guy like Tomlin, who was well-respected in the league, who knows better than to do something like this. Maybe his emotions got the best of him. He just got upset. That's exactly how much the coach from the Jets was charged. was $100,000. And he ended up resigning, which means he was basically fired because of what he did. Now, that's not going to happen to Mike Tomlin, but you need to stay consistent with your punishment. You need to make an example out of guys that do stuff like this. And I think that's why the penalty was so harsh for Tomlin. And if they lose draft picks, well, that'll just teach him to never do some stuff like that again. Guys, we, I think we have, we have a call in uh, from Texas. I think it's uh, a deal. Deal, are you there? Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to ask you guys an honest question. Have you ever seen a Super Bowl contender team in the preseason fall on the face of the earth as this team in Houston has. I mean, now you're looking at in Houston, and we were talking about firing Kubiak, firing Rick Smith. Our team is, has no talent. We're all aging, and we want to rebuild this entire whole team. And the uh, uh, only piece we have is J.J. Watt, and everybody else is aging. We're talking about Andre Johnson, Arian Foster, back injury, uh, pushing two times on the uh, the uh, injured list uh, in his four years. Uh where, where do we? Where is there any hope for the Texans? Back to back playoff wins, and now we're talking about a ten game losing streak, and maybe rebuild, start over. Has has there ever been other team? I mean, Houstonians have gone crazy over here. I'm not even going to watch the game. Actually, I'm going to watch the game tonight. But we're talking about the global. We're talking about the pick for the first pick. It's just so depressing over here. Just what, to answer to answer your initial question question, and then I'll let Nick take it. 
as to whether or not this has happened, yeah, look over to the NFC right now. A lot of people thought that the Atlanta Falcons were going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Certainly they would win their division. Certainly they would be in the NFC Championship game again. You know, Tony Gonzalez is absolute last year. And what do they do? They fall absolutely flat on their face when Julio Jones is out and Roddy White can't stay healthy. So, yeah, obviously it's very frustrating as a Texans fan. But what about the Falcons? I mean, some would argue that you were going to see both of these teams in the Super Bowl, and now they're going to be the first two teams eliminated, officially eliminated from playoff contention. Well, well one thing you have to uh, think, think about, Adele, thank you for uh, calling in. Good insight. Uh, when, when you look at the NFL as a whole, uh, it, you have to have a healthy team. And we've seen it time and time again. A team comes in in the preseason, a lot of uh, optimism, optimism, hope springs eternal is, is what uh, we always hear. But the thing is, if your guys are healthy, you have an opportunity. This is a team that's been pretty much beat up. They lost a lot of guys in the secondary. They brought in Ed Reed. That didn't work. So you lose Arian Foster and you got a problem at quarterback. So that's a lot of issues for this team. And I think no matter who the team is, you lose some of your marquee players, your potential to reach the playoff or the Super Bowl, they go down drastically. You, if you look at the New Orleans Saints, you look at the Seattle Seahawks, you look at the Patriots, you look at the Broncos, if they lose their quarterbacks, are we still talking about these same teams with the possibility of making the playoff push? And I, and I, I think not. I know the Houston Texans fans are, are really upset. I mean, I was very optimistic coming into the season with this team, but Injuries are a part of the game. You never know what's going to happen. And we saw before the preseason and during the preseason, a lot of marquee guys get injured. That changes the direction of their team. So, you know, we never know. I know it's frustrating, but every team goes through it. So hopefully they can rebound. Hopefully if they were to lose the game, they get an opportunity to get the first pick. Uh, you know what, guys? I want to jump into something real quick. And, I, and we talked about it before about getting into our, our remember uh, win segment. I want to jump into that uh, a, a little bit here. Um, n- now, you guys tell me. Do I re- finish this up. I remember when. Mario, I'll let you go ahead and take it first. All right. So I was born in the late 80s, grew up in the 90s. So just as a you know, little precursor this is this is what i'm remembering from i remember when every guy had a crush on the pink ranger i mean thinking back in the power rangers that was the first girl that i ever liked that's what i remember all right manny go ahead i remember when I remember when Geno Smith was not the quarterback in the New York Jets and throwing one touchdown and 11 <laughs> interceptions. Come hey, on, Manny. Come on. That's not even fair. That's not even it. fair. This is Throwback Thursday. I wanted a nostalgic moment. You're talking about Geno Smith not being the quarterback of the New York Jets. I, I, I remember when Terry Bradshaw, all he had to do is throw a ball in the air and somebody by the name of Spano Stallworth would come out of nowhere, grab that ball, and make him look like a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. That's what I was looking for, Manny. Okay. I remember when people used to actually write letters to get in contact with their relatives instead of 
you know, Facebooking, tweeting, or even texting. You know, people don't even have conversations anymore. What's a letter? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, I, had a chance, I had a chance to talk to a friend of mine and his kids, and I talked to them about writing letters, and they said the exact same thing. Well, pretty much, what's that, and, and why uh, uh, was it, you know, Instagram not around at that time? I'm just like, no, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't around. So this generation has no idea and I, I love this remember when because it puts that, that thought of how things used to be back in the mind states and the hearts of people. And we need to get a little of that back. Uh, guys, we have about one minute left uh, before we end today's show. Uh, Mario, tell the people what do you have planned and what do you have going on this weekend? A lot of stuff going on this weekend. Uh, I guess in the upcoming future, uh, you can find me at thesportspyramid.com. Uh, kind of new website, only about a year old. Blogs, podcasts. I even do rap battles, believe it or not. So wow. uh, go ahead. I got a lot of cool stuff on there. Go check it out, thesportspyramid.com. You could also follow me on Twitter at sports underscore pyramid. Man, we got about 10 seconds. What are you doing this weekend? I'm going to be cutting a Christmas tree, but let me tell you something. A news flash just came through. Winston will not be charged. Excellent. See? It's been set up. Ohio State, Florida State, possibly in the BCS championship. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Mario Batanzi and Manny Rodriguez. You've been listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Don't forget to look and subscribe, like, share, comment. My channel on YouTube, some great stuff. Look at it. And you can catch us back here next week, same time, same place. So also my channel, Nick A. Ferguson. That's a lot of Nick Ferguson's out there, but try to look us up. Appreciate it. Check you out next time. Stay blessed this weekend. Thank you, Jake. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.